The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner! Four! You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. What's up, everybody, and welcome once again to the Action Network Podcast, the Golf Edition. Along with Peter Jennings, I'm Jason Sobel. Thanks for joining us once again. We will get to everything in the golf betting world, reviewing last week's 3M Open. Really cool victory for Michael Thompson, uh, seven years after his first and only previous victory. Tears in his eyes, walking off that final green was uh, really a fun story to see. We will, of course, get to uh, everything this week. We've got Two on the PGA Tour. We've got uh, a European Tour event. We've got the Champions Tour back. We've got the, the LPGA this week. I mean, uh, if we want to go really deep, we can go really deep. And, um, and of course, as always, Pete, we will start with just, just one thing you're looking at this week, and then we'll get into some review stuff from last week. But uh, I assume you're looking mostly at the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational at Memphis. And give me one little taste of something we'll talk about uh, over the next 30 minutes. All right. Well, uh, I've talked about John Rahm a bunch. Peter Jennings loves John Rahm. Uh, now he's the number one player in the world. So the time to buy John Rahm is probably over. He's the most expensive player in DraftKings. And now I'll talk about someone else at the top that I think probably is still the best player in the world for my money. And that's Rory McIlroy. You're getting him at a slight discount. People are going to be on Rahm. People are going to be on Bryson DeChambeau. You have JT. You have just a loaded field. I'm expecting Rory to show why he's still the best player in the world here very soon. And I'll be buying him in a lot of formats this week. I really like Rory this week. In fact, I, Rory might be my second favorite on the board. And that's not saying much because obviously he's got a pretty short price. But my favorite this week, well, you might just have to hang on and, and listen to the rest of the show because we're going to have uh, all of that and so much more coming up. And uh, first, we're going to do a little review of this past week at the 3M Open. But first... Guys, we're calling on all listeners of the Action Network podcast to head to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and write a quick review. It only takes eh, about 30 seconds, and we'd really appreciate it. Not sure how to do it? Well, if you're listening right now on an iPhone, go to Apple Podcasts, tap the Action Network podcast tile, scroll all the way down the episodes list, and there at the bottom, there it is, ratings and reviews, pretty easy. Give us five stars, and if you really like us, try to give us six stars. I don't think it'll work, but try it anyway. So in any case, Peter, we get back to – the 3M Open this past weekend. Um, look, if you're listening to the show right now and you were just all over Michael Thompson, um, I'm not saying like a dart throw, like, hey, I threw him in a lineup and I won some some DFS contests. Or, you know, hey, I just need to pick a long shot. And I just, you know, I threw a couple bucks on him on Friday night. I'm saying like, hey, on Wednesday afternoon, I, you know, I went down to the local 19th hole and told all my buddies, Michael Thompson this week, I, I'm telling you, you got to get on him. If you were doing that, uh, we should probably turn over our mics to you for this past week. But um, as far as uh, a lot of other things were concerned, that was kind of a bloodbath. I know you did pretty well, Peter, last week, and, and you were on some of the guys that were up there near the top. But uh, I, I did not. I will readily admit that that was as bad a week as I could have. Well, my week uh, was about as bad as it could be in DFS. Started off amazing the Thursday morning was winning everything, including the millionaire maker for stretches of time, which, you, you know, it's Thursday morning. It means relatively It's still a nice sweat to wake up to. Yeah, but for, for those of us that haven't seen that seven-figure payout, like when, when you're sitting there on Thursday morning, like what, 
you, you know that it's going to change a million times between uh, Thursday morning and Sunday evening. But what's it like just kind of looking at your phone? Can, can you put the phone down? Are you just staring at it for a while? Or are you all of a sudden like super into the tournament? What's it like when you've got that on your phone and you're looking at the app? Uh, I have a problem in general. I think the biggest uh, <laughs> issue that I have is sweating uh, all the shots in the PGA. I try to, I'm trying to sweat less. I'm trying to do stuff when golf is on, but I'm just obsessed with watching it and keeping up. And, you know, every tournament, uh, it's a big investment. So I, I'm eagerly watching what's happening. But, yeah, Thursday couldn't have started off any better. With short DJ, with short EVR, they both started off poorly. Thursday afternoon goes marginal, but I'm like, all right, it's okay. Friday morning, every golfer that I needed just went out and shot a million. So DFS was actually in a pretty bad spot, but fortunately it was bailed out with some betting. Uh, we talked on uh, the gimme about Max Homa, who was probably one of my bigger betting positions just in general. Uh, I was all over him. That was great. Adam Long was one of my leverage plays in DFS. So I had a couple lineups that actually bailed me out from, you know, a huge, huge loss uh, with Adam Long and was really rooting him on. But uh, Michael Thompson closed really well. And uh, one of the best golf shots you'll ever see. You tweeted about it. I saw it and was just like unbelievable. The bunker shot on 16 is one of the top five shots of the year. I mean, there's been a ton of really clutch, great shots, but that's one of the hardest shots in golf. And the way he went about it, I mean, he kind of was in the position where he's like, okay, if I make birdie on one of the next three holes, if I can play the next three holes from 16, 17, and 18, one under, I'm probably going to win the tournament. Mm -hmm. And he's on 16. He's in a greenside bunker. He's got a 40-yard shot, 35-yard shot, really, really challenging shot. But he has a hazard at the end of the, the hole. Like the, the green, the way it's, it's a huge green and the flags, you know, far right if you're looking at it far left from the other angle and he just takes a full swing and just one of the best shots i've seen i mean the action on that shot i mean i don't know where does that ring for you as one of the top shots of the year so far i can't remember this year this year has apparently lasted 47 months or something like that so it's really hard for me to go back and be like oh well there's this one shot on friday at the american express in palm spring i i can't i just i have no idea my mind has been completely erased i will say that when the ball left his club face and i i had a little on thompson and i won't profess to you know have been on him but we do a little draft uh at action network with a, a bunch of the guys and um, just a nice little you know hey everyone throwing a few bucks we have a zoom call it's more about the camaraderie and everyone kind of getting more into golf and, and making some picks and my last round pick was michael thompson and it's sort of a winner take all deal so um I, I at least had some investment in michael thompson you know not a big deal just taking some money off some co-workers uh in any case uh the ball left the club face out of that bunker. i was like he killed it oh my god he like it's going over the green into the rough hopefully it stops and doesn't go into the hazard back there and all of a sudden just it lands softly like you know a butterfly uh just coming down on the green and um and an easy tap in birdie there and he was kind of cruising from there so i get that you and i are we're betting we're doing DFS, we're doing pools, we're doing everything. If you're listening to this right now, I'm guessing 99% of you are doing the same thing. But at certain times, we have to sort of separate ourselves from, hey, I'm a golf better to, hey, I'm a golf fan. And the fact that we had in this PGA Tour restart, really six winners who are all varying degrees of, I don't want to say superstar, but at least elite level talent. I mean, from Daniel Berger, Webb Simpson, uh, Dustin Johnson, Bryson DeChambeau, Colin Morikawa, John Rahm. In order, the first six are all like, hey, if you know something about golf, you know those names. Maybe you know more about uh, DeChambeau than you know about Berger, but you still you know who those guys are. To finally get an event where Michael Thompson wins, and like I said earlier, is walking off the 18th green, choked up, 
tears in his eyes meant so much to him. And I thought that was, first of all, really cool. And you get a sense for what kind of guy he is um, based on social media. I, I think it's very interesting to go on social media, especially if you're following a lot of professional golfers and read their thoughts after victory, because there were so many people within the PGA Tours kind of inner circle who were not only talking about Michael Thompson, like, ah, he's a good guy. I'm glad he won. It's like, no, he's the best guy. Like he is great. Like Lee Westwood, Lee Westwood should have no real internal ties to Michael Thompson. They didn't grow up together. Uh, they didn't play college golf together. They're really not even in the same era of golf. They're, uh, you know, Westwood's probably 10 years older than him. Lee Westwood tweeted, Michael Thompson's not just a great golfer. He is one of the greatest guys on the PGA Tour. I'm so happy for him. Like that, that speaks volumes when a guy like that says that about a recent victor, a recent winner. So e even if your bottom line was $0 for this past week because you were on nothing, and trust me, I was right there with you, uh, you can appreciate a really cool victory for a guy that, uh, that certainly deserves it with the type of, uh, type of player and type of man that a lot of uh, his peers said he was. Anything else from this past week? We want to talk a little Adam Long. We want to talk Charles Schwartz, Schwartzel's hat. We want to talk what's wrong with Brooks and DJ, which I think is a very valid way of getting into uh, the WGC this week where DJ and Brooks have both won on this golf course. In fact, Brooks is the defending champion. I mean, I, maybe we'll start there. Do you, can you expect anything from those two guys um, based on what we saw Really, the last two weeks, Dustin goes 80-80 at the Memorial. He withdraws with uh, a supposed back injury from the 3M, and now he's going to, to Memphis where he's won in the past. And then Brooks just keeps missing cuts, just not doing much, and he's playing again this week too as the defending champion. Is there either of these guys that we can look at and say, okay, I'm fairly confident he'll turn it around? Uh, no, for me, I'm <laughs> Yeah, and then, yeah, to put a ball in 3M, shout out to Adam Long, and yeah, the hat by Schwartzel is fun, and it's good to see that that field, I, I, it didn't work out, but I love fields like that, it's it's, uh, it's a yeah. fun grind uh, as an avid golf fan, but yeah, moving on to this week, we have all the stars, WGC, no cut, uh, so a lot of different strategies you have to take into account for betting in DFS, and yeah, Brooks Kepka and DJ, I think, are two of the people you kind of have to look at initially and just say, okay, how are we going to evaluate them? I mean, Brooks is a lot easier for me. Still talking about the knee injury, just looked visibly frustrated. I mean, he's leaving wedge shots short. He's missing putts. And when Brooks was winning majors and just dominating, he was he's always been great off the tee, but he really dialed in that wedge game, and he was just dynamite on short yes. putts. Yes. And now he's, he's struggling with his wedges, and he's struggling with his short putts, and that's the reason he's missing cuts. He's still hitting the ball pretty well off the tee. Um, you know, not, not elite like he used to be, but – I think there's something wrong. I think the knee is clearly bothering him. He's, you know, very frustrated. If we have so many good golfers, and those guys are cheaper than they have been, but they're still much better bargains uh, in the markets, in my opinion. And DJ uh, is much more perplexing. I, I think there's potentially something. I don't buy a back injury, but it's really strange to see him play so poorly, then just come out and just have absolutely amazing ball striking numbers uh, at the RBC. And then he goes out and wins, and it's like, oh, hey, DJ's back. Like, he's got the swagger back. Right. And then he goes 80-80 Memorial and withdraws after one day uh, last week. I mean, man, I'm perplexed by DJ. I, I guess if I had to buy one of the two, it'd be him. But I am certainly not confident in DJ. What do you think? Well, I'll start with DJ. Here's the problem is that at a WGC where, especially if you're playing DFS and you, everyone's going to have six guys getting through the weekend ostensibly, 
you certainly don't want to invest too much in a guy who might withdraw after the first round if he shoots 78. And so I think there's, um, there's that possibility if uh, you take DJ this week and you're sitting there with your fingers crossed hoping, oh, man, if he makes a few bogeys, like, is he going to stick around or is he leaving? And so uh, I just don't see how you can really invest much in DJ unless you want to be just a total contrarian this week and say, hey, look, he's going to be uh, low-owned in a really big-name field, and um, he at least has won here before, and he's won actually not that long ago, like you said, at Travelers. So maybe, uh, just maybe all the kind of stars align, and, and I'll try it. But um, as far as Brooks, I, I think that – we're searching for something with Brooks and we collectively tend to either look at it and say, well, it's not a major. And so he's not motivated enough or yeah, the knee's not a hundred percent. So maybe it's that I, I threw out my column this week, my preview that, you know what, maybe he's just not hitting the ball well. And he certainly isn't putting well right now. And I think that's no. probably the bigger part of the issue. And um, look, I, I tend to think that it's easier to fix putting um, than a, a swing that's not working for you as opposed to, hey, he's putting fine and, you know, he's hitting the ball all over the place. So um, I, I think there is a little hope for optimism moving forward, but dude's kind of running out of time. And uh, he's in the featured groups once again because he's the defending champ this week. And, boy, as the 155th ranked player on the FedEx Cup points list going into this one, maybe, just maybe, Brooks could use a week away from the spotlight. Just, you know, kind of let him be – Throw them in like some pairing with two other guys who are, you know, okay, they're all kind of prioritized in a certain order, so it's not going to be two complete no-names. But, like, just kind of let them get away from the cameras a little bit. Let them get away from the spotlight for a little bit. Let them play some golf and see if maybe that helps him as opposed to being in these big boy groups. But he's got another one this week, at least for the first two rounds. So, uh, Peter, let's get through – let's get to the first part of this, which is obviously this upper tier. And really we've got – Rom, JT, Bryson, and Rory is the top four favorites this week, kind of separating themselves just a little bit. I, I know you're a Rom guy. You talked about Rory right off the top. I teased my pick, which I'll get to in a second. But uh, is Rory your guy out of these kind of top four players on on the board? Yeah, at the prices that he is. I mean, the Rom thing was just ridiculous. Uh, you look at Rom's game. I mean, he he catapults to number one. I mean, before the win, people are talking about him like he's you know a borderline top ten player, which was insane. Does everything exceptional, um, yeah, yeah. just no holes in his game, and it's his track record at his age is, is, you know, it's it's not Tiger Woods, but it's 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 up there with you know basically any other golfer uh, for the start of his career. So, Rom's number one now. I you know I think Rory's probably still the best player, which is why I'm buying him. But yeah, all these guys are compelling. I mean, in a birdie fest, I like having Bryson. You know, the the lot where he missed the cut after making a ten is kind of a you know a weird situation. I think this course sets a better brand. So. I love Bryson and JT is arguably my favorite golfer on tour. Just from, you know, I like rooting for JT. Uh, so it's easy to, to make a case for all four. And it's clearly that tier. I think that those are the four best golfers by a good margin. Uh, I love Xander. I know you're a Cantlay guy, but uh, those are the, the top four for me. And I'll probably have exposure to all four um, in DFS this week. Uh, from a betting perspective, uh, can't see too much on them. Maybe, maybe some bets on Rory so far. Yeah, I uh, I think you nailed it there. I, I don't dislike any of the four. I can't look at any of them and say, absolutely not, stay away from them. I think that, you know, if, if you want to make a case for any one of those four guys, you certainly can. I like your, your call of Rory. I, I think that he's, first of all, kind of got two um, two levels of redemption that he's going after this week. First, he, he played with Brooks in the final pairing here last year and really got kind of lapped on the 
on the final round, got embarrassed a little bit by Brooks, even though he didn't play terribly. Um, I, I think he's got something to prove off of that. And then he lost that number one world ranking a couple of weeks ago to Rom. So I think he's eager to go out and get that back. Not that the number one ranking itself means that much to him. It's just a matter of, okay, now everyone's talking about the other guys. And uh, I think Rory could um, turn the tables a little bit. He should have a little fire burning this week. That said, my favorite guy this week is Justin Thomas. Um, I, I just think that he's trending in the right direction. Uh, he's been close. I mean, whether it's an opening nine holes on Thursday morning, whether it's closing three holes uh, for the Workday Charity Open, it's like these little stretches of golf have kept him from either winning or contending more uh, closely. So really like JT this week. And we tend to look at Xander for these limited field events. And we say, oh, well, you know, those always suit Xander really well. And he plays better in those. He's won three of them. And I, I agree with all of that. And I still like Xander this week. But go back and look at JT's record in limited field events. The last seven WGCs, he's been 12th or better in six of them. So he tends to play these really well. Um, so I am, uh, I am going to be invested in JT this week. Let's move down just a little bit more because I've got a bunch of guys in this next tier that I really like this week. Um, I know you do as well, Peter. Where, where are you starting uh, with this kind of next tier, the you know, kind of 25, 30 to 1 guys and a little bit higher? Giddy up. Let's bet horses for courses. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the, the home run tier. Um, I think this is where there's a lot of value and you're getting just some incredible names kind of in this mid-tier. So the guy I'll start with is Hideki Matsuyama, who mm. DFS I actually like a lot. I know he's coming off some poor form. His putter has not cooperated. I mean, it's pretty standard Hideki stuff where his putting has just been really, really marginal. Uh, and I think marginal is putting it nicely. But Ball striking's still there, and, you know, he can get hot and make a ton of birdies. You look at weighted birdie average, he's always at the top, and you're getting a really steep discount on Hideki Matsuyama, and I, I think the ball striking's still there. So that's kind of my standard by the, you know, guy who's not putting as well by the ball striker uh, play that I like a lot. If you're going to put Colin Morikawa in this tier, uh, I certainly like him. Um, Colin Morikawa, I mean, that's that's a guy I always like. Uh, JT, Colin Morikawa, the two best birdie makers – or two best iron players, which should result in a lot of uh, birdie making. So, I like those guys a lot. And then, yeah, you start getting down. I mean, Billy Wo- or Billy Horschel and Gary Woodland, two guys have been playing a lot, um, probably have some exposure to them. Horschel's price has come up after some really good play recently after just, you know, some narrow miscuts. So, that's a little disappointing, but I like those guys. And uh, the one play that might be a contrarian, you know – fade the recency uh, stuff is Paul Casey, who is just talking about bad putting. I mean, Paul Casey just flags every, every, you know, he's putting it close all the time. He's hitting fairways and then he's literally missing every birdie putt. So I, uh, I kind of want to buy some Paul Casey. That's a lot of names. Uh, any of those that you hate, any of those that you like. Okay. So I'm going to react to a few of those here. Uh, Paul Casey is a guy who um, I like when it's really soft when it's rained out and he can fire at flag sticks, hits the ball as high as just about anybody on tour. Uh, Rom's kind of the same way, but Rom, I think, is just in another tier where he can oh, – easily um, another tier. Uh, yeah, just obviously, like, dial it in whenever he needs to. But uh, Paul Case is a guy, like, in certain situations when uh, they're playing softer greens, when he can take dead aim, when it's not windy. The wind – and I know it's called TPC Southwind for a reason. Uh, it's going to be blowing uh, – by the forecast, looks like double-digit – mile per hour uh, every day. And, um, and again, remember, 
there's really no morning rounds here. It's pretty much all afternoon rounds because there's such a small field. So uh, you're getting guys when, when the winds will be sustained in the afternoons. Uh, Casey is not a guy that I like in the wind very much. Matsuyama is sort of the same way that sure. I just feel like they're such high ball strikers that doesn't mean they can't play well. doesn't mean they've never played well in the wind. It just means that, um, you know, I, I think it negates their advantage a little bit. So guys that I do like when it's blowing, uh, Mark Leishman is always near the top of my list. Yep. And, uh, and he's been playing decently recently. So I, I, I like him. Gary Woodland hits that stinger off the tee. If it gets really blowing out there, I, I think Gary Woodland's guy. They can play well. Ricky Fowler is one of the best wind players in the world. Before that, 81 to start out Memorial, he'd been – um, getting it together, and he, he wound up shooting a 68. He missed the cut, but shot a 68 in the second round. So it's not uh, like he's totally lost something. He just had one bad outlier round. Uh, and then Patrick Reed is a guy who – I knew you were going to say Patrick Reed. That's the guy I like that – Patrick Reed for. this week. Yeah, so I like that. I want to see what you think of Reed, especially at a WGC that's followed by a major championship. We've got the PGA next week. So two-thirds of the guys by the weekend are going to be out of this one mentally checked out get me to tpc harding park i'm done with this week even though i can't miss the cut i've got to stick around for the weekend but you know when you're in 31st place going into the weekend you really don't care for most of the players patrick reed in three of his last four starts at colonial he was t35 entering the weekend finished t7 at the travelers he was t53 entering the weekend finished t24 and at the Memorial, just two weeks ago, he was T64 going into the weekend, finished T10. What does that tell us? It tells us that when he's not in serious contention going into Saturday, when most guys would just say, hey, you know what, I'm just going to see what I can do, and you know, I'll try to play well, obviously, but not really a big deal. You know, I'm not going to win. Patrick Reed goes, I'm going to see how low I can go. I'm going to challenge myself. I'm going to grind this weekend and see if I can make some money and see what I can do. And I love that, and I especially love it this week where – uh, if he does shoot two even par rounds, it's just sort of eh going into the weekend. I think most guys, not they're going to tank, not they're, they're going to not try. It's just sort of, hey, I'm not real motivated. I think Patrick Reed stays extra motivated when he is uh, still out of contention going into the weekend. So that's what I love about him this week. Um, how do you feel about that? I mean, are, aren't you looking for a guy that, hey, at least I'm going to get four good solid rounds out of him and he's going to try for me? Yeah, you know who else fits that mold at the top is Bryson. Like, yeah, there's a couple of guys on tour that I just feel like aren't going to – they're going to keep grinding. Um, and there's certain – you know, DJ and Kepko we talked about before. Those are two of the guys I think people think of that are just fine to mail it in. Um, you know, there's a lot of money on the line here, and people want to be sharp going in, and they want momentum going into a major. So yeah. I think most people will be motivated, but it's going to be hot. It's going to be windy. I mean, I get it, so – I like the read call, um, but I love this tier, and I think you can make a lot of lineups. Uh, but you can also go stars and scrubs. I'll, I'll kick to you. Who do you like in this bottom tier, Jason? I've got, I think, three guys that I really like. First one, I expect him to be very popular because he played really well at the Memorial, and I think a lot of guys are on him for, uh, for bigger events now, is Matt Wallace. He has been progressing really nicely, played six events now on the PGA Tour uh, since the restart, and seems like he's – uh, he's improving almost at a uh, steady pace week to week. So I think Matt Wallace, I, I was surprised at, uh, first of all, his price. I, I, I don't think I'd bet him outright to win, um, although it's not out of the realm of possibility. But at least his price in DFS is, I, I think, too low this week based on how Stole he's played recently. Guy, maybe. 
there you probably, go. That's probably there the you go. guy would bother. Good. And then I'm going to give you two guys who, if the wind is blowing, could play pretty well. Andrew Landry is a guy that's won twice on the PGA Tour, both times, San Antonio and Palm Springs, both times when the wind was blowing. And the third guy, uh, hey, if the wind's going to blow, take a guy from Scotland. Uh, nobody really talks much about Robert McIntyre on this side of the pond. 23 years old, lefty, had three runner-up finishes on the European Tour last year. He's really good. The only thing that gets me off him a little bit this week is that he hasn't played competitive golf in four months. He hasn't played since before uh, the pandemic stoppage. So um, I don't know what kind of form he is in, but there are a lot of these WGC events where, you know, just like Mexico a few months ago, Eric Van Royen finishes T3 and all of a sudden he's got a lot of good things that he can take from that, not just the, the check and the world ranking stuff, but also – uh, the temporary memberships and all those kind of things. So uh, if McIntyre wants to play more over here, he could be extra motivated to go out and play really well this week. So what do you think of those? I, I like them. I love the Wallace. I, I was in Wallace. I have three guys too. Wallace is one of the three guys that I for sure was going to name Max Homa. I'll give a little shout out to, I don't know if he necessarily fits in this tier. He's kind of probably the bottom of the mid tier, I guess, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I got, I got two others. I think the Wallace calls really good. Another Euro who is starting to play really well, really well, is Danny Willett. And I have been playing a lot of Danny Willett. I think he's – I mean, by the stats, he looks like he's really found it again. He was trending super hard statistically before he won the Masters. And then after winning the Masters, something happened where his golf just completely fell off a cliff. That really good form seems to be coming back. We've seen that a lot lately on the PGA Tour. So I like him quite a bit. I guess I'll give you two. The one guy for sure is Benny on. I'm always going to be buying Benny on. I like him too. Guy goes yeah. low and then he blows up. His putter is just the most maddening thing in the whole world. Uh, he's the greatest guy to sweat because you're just like, oh, fairway, to eight feet. You get excited. <laughs> and then par. But uh, it's nice. You, Joaquin but, Neiman's got a little Benny on disease going on right now too. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, Joaquin on, Neiman so. hits it good. He's another interesting one. And then the last guy, we'll see if he stays in the tournament. Uh, there's no recency bias on him. He's withdrawn a couple times. Need to do a little more research. Is Kokrak, Kokrak, uh, Cameron Champ. If you want to take some bombers that have some upside, birdie making, yeah. I don't mind either of those. But it's a stacked field, and um, I think it's really important. We're about to do our DraftKings lineup, but this week more than ever, you need a unique lineup. That's a huge thing. Everyone gets all their golfers through the cut, and you need to chase birdies. People know to do that, so leaving money on the table, especially in the bigger contests, is really important. Yeah, we're going to get to that lineup in just a minute. It's a little disappointing that we don't have lineups uh, DFS for the Barracuda Championship. Ooh, Barracuda. But we will get to a little bit of a breakdown on that as well. But first, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be announcing some exciting contests and promos for you, our beloved listeners. So stay tuned for those. And as a reminder, all summer long, Peter and I will be releasing PGA Tour betting previews to get you ready for these weekly tournaments. Plus, we've got Matthew Friedman, Chris Raybon, Sean Corner, going position by position with their NFL fantasy previews leading up to week one of the NFL season. We'll have Stucky and Colin Wilson doing college football conference previews, NBA betting, NFL futures betting. So many great episodes coming to this very podcast feed in the weeks ahead. So stay tuned to the Action Network and the Action Network podcast to check out all of that. And as Peter and I get to our DFS lineup for this week, Want to be a DFS millionaire? You're just one lineup away. We're going to go nose to nose with him. And you're going to play better than you ever dreamed of. Because, God damn it, that's what I demand of you. So let's get drafting. 
you, you said you got to stay unique this week. Um, will you be spending every cent of your salary cap in any lineup this week? Yeah, certain lineups. I'm sure I'll have it all spent, but uh, cash games for sure. You know, I'll just, I'm going to do what I think is optimal, but yeah, like low dollar kind of more lottery type payout scenarios. Uh, one of the easiest way to be unique is just leaving money on the table. So yeah. on fantasy labs, there's a setting for that. And I will absolutely be taking advantage of uh, leaving money on the table with uh, the optimizer. So that's important. Let, let's, let's go to the team that maybe we leave a little bit of money on the table. Okay. I'll, I'll take the first, I haven't taken the first pick in a while. I'm going to go with the guy that we obviously both like, cause we just talked about him a minute, a minute ago, but I'm going to leave some money on the table so we can go after some big guns. And I'm going Matt Wallace yes, right off the top. Sir. I expect him to be popular this week. 6,700. I thought he would come in more like 7,700 this week, but uh, 6,700 is a price that's too good to ignore for Matt Wallace. He actually might not be as popular as you think. Uh, I've really? been playing a good bit of Wallace, uh, and no one seems to be on him. He's almost always one of the guys I really need. Uh, maybe I'm wrong on that this week, but I think he's a really solid, solid play. Um, I'll spend I'll, I'll spend some money. I, let, let's try to have a Rory JT team. I, I like the idea of it. going stars and scrubs. So I'll, I'll, I'll put in Rory right now uh, on the team as well. Okay, and I guess that leaves JT for me because he is, uh, like I said earlier, my favorite play. I'll have him in a lot of lineups, and I'll have him in this lineup at 10,700 on DraftKings. Love it. And I, JT, I mean, I think my two favorite golfers on tour, no disrespect to anyone else, but my two favorite guys are, are JT and Morikawa. So watching those guys battle it out, uh, I think they're just huge assets for the tour. I, I love those guys. Mine, by the way, in case anyone's wondering, mine are Nicholas and Palmer. So, you know, I don't want to play favorites or anything. And then Brendan Steele. Come on, man. I'm trying not to play favorites. Okay. All right. Steel, I've got a great – I've got such a good Steele story. Maybe we'll get to it. Steele is up there. I'm just trying not to try not to slurp too hard. Once we, We'll all get out there and then Steele will cattle. Friend of the pod. Friend friend of the pod. He, he's friend of the podcast. Statistically speaking, he's a remarkably average tour player, but it's the steely demeanor and resolve that have laid the foundation for his achievements. All right, we're not totally dumpster diving. We have 7,100 per player left. Um, I'll go with Danny Willett, who I think is another guy that uh, just undervalued right now, playing some really, really good golf. And uh, obviously, we've seen him show up and win big tournaments, including the Masters. So I feel pretty good about Danny Willett this week. Yeah, I like that call a lot. Um, I'm here with, you know, we've got 7,150 per, per, per player left, two spots. Um, I'm looking at Bern Wiesberger, and I like him. But I just got a good feeling about Bobby McIntyre this week. I, I just feel like that way more for ownership. Yeah, ownership's going to be down. I, I think that he's a guy that has something to prove. I think that uh, most people playing in contests like this have never heard of him, or if they've heard of him, they're just not thinking about him in, in the context of a U.S. event, especially if the wind is blowing, which it's supposed to. I like McIntyre a lot at 6,400. Okay, I like that. So now we have 7,900 left. Not going to go chalk and spend the money with Wolf, although Wolf's a little interesting to me. Let's go with your boy Leishman. I don't know if I, I haven't thought of enough about Leishman, but I'll, I, I would go in this spot, either Leishman and then someone I actually wants your opinion on that's really been disappointing since the, the COVID swing started up. Sun JM at 7,500 is a cheap price tag, but this golf has been pretty marginal lately. What do, what do, what do you think is going on with Sun Jay? I, I couldn't tell you. He's just not hitting the ball the way he was beforehand. Right. Um, but he's a guy that tends to be a momentum guy. And, and I bring that up because, um, you know, you can kind of see him building towards some of his bigger results. And I bring that up with, uh, and I mentioned his name earlier, and you mentioned his name, Billy Horschel. And Billy Horschel, if you look back, his best results come when he's played, okay, he played really well for a week. They played really, really well. 
and then you can see it coming. It's like, oh, and now, oh, okay, yeah, like, oh, we should have been either you're on Horschel or you're kicking yourself because you knew you should have been on Horschel because he was basically like showing you his hand. He's like, hey, look, I got, I got four aces in my hand. Here they are, and now we're going to bet. Uh, you should probably know that, hey, I've got a good hand, and, and I'm, I'm showing you something. And so um, I, I think Horschel right now with a, a 13th and a 7th in his last two starts is basically showing you his hand. He's got some momentum, and Sung Im is uh, sort of on the other end of things right now, the opposite end of the spectrum, where he's a momentum guy and has zero momentum. So right. uh, even though he's lower priced, I, I don't like him as much, but I do like Horschel because of that reason. There are other players who can basically just go, oh, I missed three cuts in a row, and here I am going to win. I mean, DJ you know, has shown that he's gone from basically nothing to winning to nothing again. So you know, it's certainly not out of the realm of possibility for some players, but I think it's important to separate – momentum guys from non-momentum guys yeah it's well said that's something to look at in the data and that, that's that's really interesting i know there's definitely guys that start to trend and other guys who are just more volatile in their play so like that lineup we got leishman in there and we have the the three euros that we really wanted to target and then we got you know the two studs and leishman so i, I think that's a pretty good squad yeah going through the list it's uh mcelroy thomas leishman willett wallace and mcintyre I like yeah. that a lot, actually. That's a WGC-ish lineup if I've ever seen one. That, yeah. I kind of like that, too. Leaving some money on the table, I think that's uh, hopefully sharp. Well, hopefully we can win some money on that lineup. Yeah, I like that one. I, I hope that not too many people are, uh, are, are copying what we're doing this week because I, I might put that in a few extra lineups uh, this week as well. So, uh, real quick, I, I know we've used up a lot of our time already, but um, there are so many other tournaments going on this week. Uh, on the PGA Tour, there's an alternate field event at uh, the Barracuda Championship. Ooh, Barracuda. And then if you want to look elsewhere, there's a Euro Tour event, the Hero Open. They're playing uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour. They're playing the LPGA. They're playing PGA Tour Champions. Is there anything else you're looking at this week, Peter? You can stick with the PGA Tour and look at Barracuda. Are you going elsewhere um, for maybe some other picks? I'm sure I'm going to fire some Euro in there. I, I think I need to do some more research before I, I go anything. I, I do have some opinions already on the Barracuda, but it is an awesome time to be a golf fan. And I think that you can absolutely take advantage of, uh, you know, all the different line shopping and just so many markets. It's a tougher time to be an operator. Now they got all the golf, they got baseball, they got basketball starting up. So a lot of stuff going on uh, if you're an operator, but yeah, on the Barracuda, a couple names, Bud Colley for sure. I think is really interesting. I've been all over Aaron Wise. He keeps missing the cut by one. I'm sure now that I can't play him in DFS, he's going to win. And shout out to Ryan Moore, who uh, a guy that I'm always advocating for. I don't know if I can advocate for him being the uh, the favorite, but uh, yeah, shout out that? to Ryan Moore. How about that, Ryan Moore, the favorite in this field at 18 to one. Um, going down the list, Ryan Moore, Russell Henley, Brendan Steele, who we mentioned. Uh, he, I know it's a different course this year at the Barracuda, but he has been eighth or better in four of his six starts in this event. So uh, Alexander Noren looked really good for a while this past week, and Patrick Rogers rounds out the top five on the board. Uh, one more name here, Seamus Power is a guy that I like a lot. He's 14th on the PGA Tour in birdie average. And as we all know, with modified Stableford, you'd rather go – Nine birdies, nine bogeys, then 18 bars. You're going to make a whole lot more points that way. So I like the guys that post a lot of birdies. I think you have to think about the format for this week, Peter. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, yeah, it's more like DraftKings scoring. So look at the weighted birdie average stats and uh, chase those guys. I think it makes a ton of sense. Yeah, absolutely. And remember, 
we are calling on all listeners of the Action Network podcast. Head to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, write a quick review. Only takes about 30 seconds. We can take the criticism. One last bet. Uh, Peter, I, I'm going to throw just like I haven't done any parlay bets yet this year. I, you know, I have a hard enough time picking one outright, uh, but I, I feel like there could be some chalk this week. Maybe a little Justin Thomas, Davis Riley uh, going for his third Corn Ferry victory to get the uh, what they used to call the Battlefield promotion to the PGA Tour. Maybe a little parlay on uh, those two winning their respective events. Anything else you're looking at? One last, uh, one last play before we get going? No, I think that's – Riley is someone, if I was going to name one name, that's that's where I'd go. Uh, shout out to Josh Perry. You got to check out his his good stuff. He's been killing it with uh, the Corn Ferry. So, yeah, love that call. And, uh, yeah, I think the one last thing that I'd mention, you know, I, we talked a little bit about the young guns. We didn't mention Victor Hovland, whose ball striking mm, has been yeah. – and he's basically on the COVID swing. Maybe not even – I think he's been the best ball striker since the COVID swing started. So, uh, I like that for him. The one thing maybe that he doesn't do well is kind of around the greens. Putter can be a little inconsistent, but uh, if he's way on, I think he can make a lot of birdies and uh, rooting for Hovland to play well this week. You know, it's going to be a fun week when it took us this long to get to Victor Hovland when we only tangentially mentioned Xander Shoffley when there's so many other good players that we didn't even get to um, who could certainly have a chance of winning this event. WGC, FedEx St. Jude Invitational, and so many other uh, events across the Uh, golf landscape this week can't wait for everything for peter jennings i'm jason sobel don't forget to check out our show streaming online the gimme at 8 30 p.m eastern every single wednesday leading you into that week's pga tour event thanks everybody for listening here's hoping you hit the green this week We're finished talking.